Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. This is Kings of Non Sequitur. Any topic, any subject, anything goes. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. That's right, you are listening live to Kings of Non Sequitur with our brand new intro to the show. The all-season version of it, much less detailed, the podcast. We are here with you live on a Tuesday night, April the 10th, 2018. I'm Dre. He's Jay. Again, with the connection issues, I hope I'm being heard. So I have to stop all my introduction to ask, Jason, am I being heard? Yes, you are. You're here. Oh, good. And live. Yeah, you I'm made so it. I'm glad to hear that. I think I've finally come to the realization after we've done this for the last four or five shows that I should probably just host the show. Yeah, I, I was hoping I, that I eventually keep, one of these times. Trying. Yeah, you I keep, keep trying keep to trying. host the show, and if someone wants to tell me what's going wrong when I try to host, and let me know. But every time I try to host, I click Jason through or whoever the guest might be, and I can hear them, but they can't hear me, and so I have to leave the show as host and come back as a guest. And let somebody else host, and then I can be heard. So not as a host, but but as a guest. I don't know why it keeps doing that. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna have to email Blog Talk Radio and try to figure all that shit out. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Good. How are you? Good to get a show in here. Get some get some topics out of the way. Things we haven't finished covering up or covered up completely, and. You know, we had a WrestleMania show, so there's, you know, we do a little follow-up there. I had my trip to Chicago, so we get to, you know, that's always fun. Yeah, it's just good to get back into the, get back into the swing. You don't like to go too long between shows. That's right. We got uh, March Badness to clean up and and talk about that a little bit. The championship yeah. crowned and uh, whatever else you want to get to the start of the baseball season and then all the silliness that's been going on with that and whatever else is on our minds, whatever the hell we want. Cause it's our show. Damn it. Yeah. These, these, these shows are truly uh, unplanned. We haven't really talked about too much about what we want to go over on the show. So we, we, you know, we'll, we'll figure out a way to fill an hour that that's pretty much guaranteed. Well, go ahead and kick us off about uh, the trip to Chicago for our fantasy baseball draft. You went solo this year. I'd, Stayed back with the wife, and uh, you just got back this past weekend. And uh, apparently, it was it was quite the interesting trip, uh, leaving where you are in Wisconsin and coming back. Well, it was you know it was kind of a whirlwind weekend. So start start the morning off with three inches of snow on the ground, on top of the thirteen inches of snow that we got a week ago today. Uh, on top of the four or five inches of snow that we had gotten Friday night into Saturday prior, yeah, we had, we ended up getting almost two feet of snow over the last uh, week and a half now here. So, yeah, so my plans were to leave, you know, 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock, get down there, 
you know, putts around Chicago a little bit, see some sights, do whatever, you know, just get down there, be relaxed. So I was like, no, nope, I'm going to, you know, the roads were just brutal. So took my, took my son to daycare in the morning and decided, you know, with the way the roads were, I wasn't going to leave. I wasn't going to, what was, it's not worth dying for. I'll tell you that. So right. stayed home for a few hours, put in a few more hours of research notes, got made sure I had everything together. Um, left, got down there, had dinner, got up the next morning at six 30, I want to say. And, uh, went and had breakfast, went to the draft, which was six hours long. That's one of the longest I think I've ever been through having it start at a, having that start, you know, getting there at 20, 25 after nine, have you know the draft starts right at about nine forty five nine fifty, and I did not walk out of there until three forty five in the afternoon, then proceeded to jump in my car and drive all the way home now that's a long day that was i that i I'm still not i don't think completely recovered from doing that turnaround and I've done it before, and every time I've done it where I've done that just one day turnaround, I've always regretted it. So I always end up well. extremely tired <laughs> from that much from that much of a drive down, and, and not just the what the drive takes out of you, the six hours just sweating in that room through what we've described and tried to have described, and we've had our commissioner on on the show before. What we've tried to describe as the greatest day in sports or the greatest night in sports before we did it in the morning, um, trying to describe what that's like doing it myself this year without you sitting there giving me the like shaking guys off or you know pointing guys out on the sheet like why don't you take a flyer on him so been a few years since i've done it by myself but I, I, I'm not sure it is jury's always going to be out on as far as how you did until everything you, you got to get this through for a while i mean you don't really start to even see real standings in this league start to form up until memorial day you know, once once you yeah. get through May, once you've gotten most of the way through May, you might not have a sense of who's going to win, but you generally have a pretty good sense of who's not. <laughs> oh yeah. So by the end of by the end of May or so, you start to see, especially a team that's completely in the dumps, they'll start to trade, they'll start to dump their pieces, they'll start thinking about next season and setting themselves up for not having to make uh, too many critical moves <laughs> in the second half where people start sending those feelers out. So we'll see how it plays out. We have a, we have a, we have a fairly, you know, averaged out rounded out team as far as the way we spent our money on, uh, on Saturday and did not manage to spend much money at all on our, on our pitching, uh, which was, has always been one of our strengths and it will be remain. It will remain to be seen how this all shakes out. Um, if going cheap, on the guys uh, that we got on this pitching side allowed us to spend a little bit more and spread a little bit more money around on the offensive side. If that ends up helping us out or paying out any dividends in the long run, well, we shall see early results have been, well, it's always tough with pitching stats, but early results on the, on the offensive side for us have been fairly positive. That's good, and it's, it's like any other draft. Even though uh, it's an auction draft, uh, it's, it's yeah. the similarity to uh, you know the NFL draft, the the NBA draft, Major League Baseball. The similarities to those drafts are all those guys, every single team, no matter 
what the draft shakes down like, no matter who, who they wind up getting, they come in front of the camera and they tell you to your face, we're very pleased with our draft. We really like the guy that we got or the guys that we got. It might be complete bullshit. You don't know, but that's all, that's what they all say. And even though our draft is an auction draft and we can uh, get whoever we want, if, provided that we can fit it under our salary cap, uh, it's the same thing. We look around at the end of the day, at the end of the draft, and we look at our guys and we go, yeah, I think I pretty much got the guys I wanted. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I kind of like my team. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, the, the sky's looking clear. Everything's yeah. looking up after the draft is over. So, you know, even if you don't get exactly who you want, you pretty much BS and say, yeah, I'm, I'm good with who I got. I got who I wanted. So that, that's pretty much how that goes. And then, you know, like you said, Memorial Day, May, June, if the team is trashed, then you can go, ah, I didn't really get the guys I wanted, as, you know, the, the draft didn't shake down the way I wanted, and I'll just try next year. And then we do it all over again next year. Yeah, but that's, you know, some, you, we've walked out of there before with a sense of, oh, we didn't do so well. And, you know, we've walked, you know, we've, walked we've, we've definitely left there knowing things didn't go according to plan. Uh, this was such a weird year, one, doing it by myself, and two, we really didn't go a, and get any studs. So our offense in general is fairly stud free, but there's not a ton of, it's just not, you know, like a bunch of busters either. It's not just bad players. So it's guys who can go out and hand fill up the stat sheet and, and, and excel in a variety of different areas. A uh, couple of interesting little, little notes, you know, obviously I, I, I told you cause I called you after I left and I was texting you the whole time with the guys we got. So a few of the things that came up were you texted me back and said you liked the players I got, so I immediately knew our season was doomed. Because when 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 you like the team, we always stink. Um, I I did feel that I, we did get run up. Uh, we were getting towards the end, and there wasn't much talent left. And they did get run up and spend way too much money on the 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 great the greatest part time player in baseball, Eduardo Nunez. Well, which was. No, it- as you were saying, the, you know, we there yeah. wasn't anything left. No, and as you get down towards the end, you don't start worrying so much about money, you know, because the money really only matters when you're thinking about next year. And sometimes you just overpay for a guy because that's the guy, you know, that's that that's what's there, and you have the money. So clearly, you didn't spend the money when you may have needed to spend the money earlier. So you got a little extra money late. So you're not thinking so much about, oh, I got to get a value on a guy so I can keep him for next year. At that point, you're just like, I got to get this guy. Otherwise, I'm getting nothing. So you spend the money. Um, so that happened. So we, but, but otherwise, that was probably the only real tactical decision that I didn't like as far as what I did that day. But again, this was very late. This was very late in the draft, so up to that point, I had I had spread that money around to believe it or not, cheaper guys. I mean, that twenty six dollars is tied for the highest amount of money that we spent on a player. The other twenty six dollars going to Gene Segura is actually worth it. <laughs> so that wasn't the twenty six dollars that we just pissed away. That was twenty six bucks, which we saved eight dollars from, by the way, because we all, we bought him last year. You know, I'm a big Gene Segura guy. Bought him last year at thirty four. 
traded him. He got thrown back naturally, and then he goes for eight dollars cheaper. So I'm like, oh, I'm looking at it as if we saved eight bucks. Right. So and then the and, other stud guys that were out there just in an auction draft. If the price gets beyond oh, yeah. what you can stomach, then you just let it go. Like D. Gordon right. coming over was available. Uh, of course, Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, guys yeah. like that, and the prices got to where you're like, nope, I'm not paying that for, you know, however great they might be, it just got to beyond where you were willing to pay that, that dollar price. Right. You know, and at the end of the day, we only had $3 left over, so it wasn't like with any of the salaries that I had out there, I had the money with the players that we had. I didn't have that extra $3 that would have gotten me off. Oh, I would have just paid that extra 3 bucks. I would have gotten Stanton, considering the most money we threw at anybody was 26 Stanton, D. Gordon, Chris Sale, and obviously you and I had already talked about the fact that we we weren't we just don't invest money in those A plus plus pitchers because we work from a strategy of you know statistics and I will never give away our what we work off of and it seems to work out for us in the end, but we get a lot of values. I will definitely say we definitely got a lot of value picks. So uh, the name of our team is the Pirates in this league that we're in. So we had earned we earned the nickname of the Value Pirates about right. halfway through the draft because we hadn't bought anybody for the th- first three rounds. I'm sweating bullets. I'm like looking at the <laughs> sheet, like, okay, what am I doing? I I, I mean, there's guys just fly, all these big name guys are just flying off the board, and I'm just sitting there with my little my little notes and my sheets and my little mechanical pencil that I realized I've had for over 30 years. <laughs> it's amazing. When you when I go, yeah, I, I was sitting there like, I've had this stupid mechanical pencil that's in my baseball binder for 30 years. You had that in high school? Yeah. God. Yeah. I've had, I never took it to high school with me. I always had it. I always had it at home. Um, but yeah, I've had that little mechanical pencil for 30 years and uh, it's starting to fall apart. You know, <laughs> like and the it back of it what? fell out. It cost what, two dollars? Yeah, the back of it fell out in my book bag with all the baseball stuff. So all the little uh, ink, uh, the little the little lead fell into yeah. the bag. So I'm literally sitting there in the hotel room putting all the lead back into my pencil and <laughs> making sure that the, that the back went back on it again because I can't do the draft without that pencil. You know? It's like almost that. That's just as important as all the other like the binder and the book everything i've had is all original to when i started in the league so i'm very a little superstitious that way i guess so the yeah, other i was about to say happened, I'm, I'm glad i'm not the only one that's got a little ocd i thought i was uh i thought i was alone there but i see you've got your your things too well the other the other move that happened um was uh me and our buddy bill the bill gentleman uh, we always call loser affectionately loser who got us into the got got me into the league so he's the guy who got me into the league well, some 15 years ago now. And him and I end up getting into a bidding war, completely getting into a bidding war over Nelson Cruz. And he hardly has any money left at this point. And I was getting really low on funds as well. And Nelson Cruz, he came up pretty late because he's, he's been a bit of an injury risk. He's on the DL yep. presently. Uh, he gets to uh, $21. Bill says 21 he knows I, I fully expect me to say 22, and I didn't. And and the look on his face was priceless. <laughs> he's just fully convinced that he's just running me up on this guy, and mm-hmm. I was going to pay. 
You know, it's like I, I need some offense, right? I haven't bought a big-name stud offensive player yet. I mean, we got some nice players and some guys who are like bounce back, a lot of bounce back potential guys, you know, um, like Brantley. So, you know, and we'll see what Sano can do. But we've got some good offensive talent as long as they can be out on the field and keep their heads bright. And the look on his face when I just didn't say 22 was like that, oh, shit, you did it. You got me. You know, it was almost the – it was one of those moments where you don't get to see it very often where somebody dumps a player on somebody and they weren't expecting it. And basically at that point he was in dollar days. I mean, he was spending about mm-hmm. all he had. So his bankroll was, was basically gone. And I, I, I did, I did it. And him and I were talking about it. I said, you know, cause the, the commission of our league won last year, I was talking to talking to Bill when we were at, uh, I think we were talking to him at breakfast, met, met him for breakfast, you know, the place you and I and him always meet up. We stay very on, on our routines for this. I was talking about the fact how the commissioner of our league wouldn't have won last year because there was a moment where somebody had bid him to the max. I think it was us. <laughs> and we're dumping this just junk player on him. And literally it would have been like he would have needed 10 players for $10 after that. He would have been in dollar days the whole rest of the way. And that's no, nobody wins when that happens. And somebody, it was like, gets to be like, well, you know, going once, going twice. And then somebody threw in a bit and got him off the hook. And then he ended up spreading out uh. that money better. And he ended up winning the league. And then like you and I were even sitting there like, man, we knew we had him, you know, yep. but I was talking to Bill. I said, Hey, if you get to that point, you know that you could take one team out completely. That's one less team that you got to worry about winning money right mm-hmm. your your odds just went up <laughs> so i had that moment with bill on nelson cruz and the, the, but the look on his face was priceless I, I don't think he thought i was going to do that well that's the the big strategy is not just going there and saying well i want this guy this guy this guy and i'm willing to go to whatever price to get him the other strategy is knowing that certain guys who uh, might be of a certain name or a certain hype level, you know that they're going to have a lot of money bid on them. And you may think for one reason or another that they're not worth that money, that they're not going to be that good. But in your mind, you say, okay, I'm not letting this guy go for less than X because I think that he's got enough of a name that if I say this, somebody's definitely going to go one higher or two higher and then at that point, I can get out. But I'm not letting him go for less than this amount of money. And clearly, Bill thought Nelson Cruz was enough of a name, whether he wanted him or not, that he shouldn't go for less than $20, $21. So he said right. 21 thinking you're going to go 22 and you don't. And yeah, like you said, that's the, the, the magic moment when someone thinks they're bidding someone up to take you out and you decide, nope, I'm going to go ahead and let you have them for that price. And they may not have been counting on spending that much money uh, on that particular player. And that might just blow their entire strategy out of the water. And it's fun. It's a a very fun thing. Yeah. For people who aren't familiar with auction drafts, because I don't know how many people do them, because most people just do your typical free online draft. What we are referring to is a technical term that I have found out over the years, actually called price enforcing. Mm -hmm. Where And and you and I have done it. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, You and I have done it. And not for any reason 
you know, that we wanted the player, but you're sometimes you're just doing it to, like we said, you're doing it to suck more money out of the pool because that's less that you have other teams to spend on, you know, the other teams have to spend on the players that you like, or because you're trying to run up somebody, <laughs> you know, and we've definitely done that. We've, we're, we've notoriously done that um, over the years. So this was a situation where I don't know if Bill got caught in between where, you know, he was either trying to price enforce or he really wanted the guy, or he didn't think I was going to drop out because he knew I had some money left to spend, but either way, uh, it didn't go well for him. And I felt bad like he ended a, up basically. But it's a little bit, little bit like a poker game as well. Sometimes you think oh, yeah. you see in the other guy a, a, a horniness or a, an excitement oh, yeah. over a player, and you go, oh, he really wants him. Okay, I can, I can. That's his guy. guy really yeah. yeah, that's his guy. <laughs> uh, and and sometimes you're wrong about it. Sometimes they're they or maybe not even that you're wrong. Sometimes some the, it just snaps in their head. Oh wait. I went way higher on this guy than I really intended to because this other guy is bidding me up. I'm going to drop out now and let him have it. So it, it, right. it's a lot of give and take going on. It's a lot of trying to read the other guys in the room, which gets harder and harder every year because it's the same guys. And you, you know, think, you know, some guys and, and as the years go on, maybe they adjust and make sure that they don't have as many tells as you think they do. So it, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of chess going back and forth. It's, it, it's, it's in its own nerdy way, it can be quite compelling. It was, and it was, and then this is this will be an interesting year too to see for us as we play it out, and we, you know, we'll we'll be update on the show um, as we go through the season. I'll usually toss it out there how we're doing and where things stand for us. But this is probably the first year where we got almost an entire roster of new players that didn't really have any particular like desire. Like I had to have this guy. You know, I knew I needed a shortstop and I was going to get one of the top shortstops. And if I didn't, I had a guy you and I had talked about who we were going to have as like sort of the fallback guy. Right. So if mm -hmm. I didn't get Bogarts or Segura or, or Cozart or any of those, you know, more name type shortstops, I was going to fall back. And we even so we had that sort of dollar, two dollar, three dollar guys, you know, so it wasn't even an issue where I had to get let's say Segura, who I really like, I didn't have to get him because I had other, you know, so, and then all the rest of the guys that we got, uh, Sano, Brad, um, Brad, Brantley, Bradley, bad, bad memories of the days when we had Milton Bradley on our team. Um, yeah. Michael Brantley, you know, Cole Calhoun, Jake Marisnik, Lucas Duda, Eduardo Nunez, and, and then the great Max Stassi, who does have a three run bomb. Um, <laughs> to go along with the sort of mixed bag of the four cheap pitchers that we got of uh, Kane Lee, Jaime Garcia, Doug Fister, and Carlos Rodon, who's on the DL. I did point out, though, the fact of we got all four of those guys that I just mentioned, all, those, all four of those pitchers we spent a whopping $8 on total in a league with $260 salary cap. Yeah. And uh, Mike Fires, who's also on our list of uh, potential targets, we got basically for free in the what they call the ultra or in the in the after portion of the draft kind of like we have the after show we have the after mm -hmm. draft where you get to basically scoop up the <laughs> players that were 
not drafted or take minor leaguers that you want to prospect for. So I got Mike Fires, yeah. not overly early. Yeah, and called him up immediately before his first start against the White Sox, and he goes six shutout innings. Oh, I didn't know you activated him for that. Oh, no. Yeah, because Rodon's on the DL. Right. Okay, good. So I, I actually... You had him on your... If it was oh, me, no, I'd have had him on my bench because that's my move. No, that was not a that was not a bench start for Fires. That was oh, that okay. was up. Great. So now, he, now he's on yeah. the DL, but that's one great start he gave you before he did that. Yeah. Well, Fister went on the DL too. Oh, uh, I think I got my F's mixed up. Yeah. You're right, Fister's on the yeah. DL. Yeah, Fister went on the DL. Fires is uh, Fires is okay. Okay. My bad. Yeah. But again, Doug Fister, who we paid a dollar for. <laughs> Doug Fister. He's on the buck. DL. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, it's not Carrasco. It's not Bauer. It's not Paxton. It's not the guys who we were just trying to supplement with. Um, and, of course, the team that sits to our left, which is uh, which is Ben, or the, the Strange Gloves, which is the other guy that's closer to our age in the yeah. league. And we, we have like sort of like the little snarky corner I and mean, that was still going. Um, I'm sure it was. So he, yeah, that was still going. He, he, he of course points out the fact that I'm very aware of is that all of our good pitchers are gone for us next year. So my strategy was to get some, you know, controllable pieces. And, you know, we basically get a lot of $1 and $3 pitchers and guys we can keep next year. Just start right. building to it again. So just keep the just keep the the conveyor belt moving along. And so that was the that was the draft. That was fun. It was it was way too hot in that room like it always is. Um, not hot in Chicago. <laughs> you know, it was in the it was in the thirties. Made a hit. Might have hit forty or forty five. I think that afternoon when we finally ended up getting out of there on my drive back. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a fun was a fun whirlwind couple of days for me and I got back home and now I'm just starting to now I'm now I'm watching box scores which is once you have a team and it's full that this is what I love now now I'm watching the the progression of the team and you know, who's hurt who's getting starts you know who who's getting called up maybe I can you know or somebody gets hurt I could sneak somebody in I got this open spot now from Doug Fister that I can uh Let's sit out there for for three Sundays now, because he's going to go on the DL tomorrow, which is uh, what you know, Wednesday. So I got three weeks. He might even come back from the DL by the time I have to replace him. But just having that spot, just sitting there waiting to move somebody up. So we'll now see how that all turns. That, explain that one bit to me, because I'm I've never had a, a ah, team in that league. Because you, so many you've never had so many. Yeah. Uh, I, they've asked me uh, when open spots come open, do I want to break <laughs> off and make my own team? And I go, Oh my God, no, I can't possibly imagine keeping up with all this stuff. There's that's oh, one bid, thing I, I've I'd always bidding you. I'd, we'd, we'd all be, we, I'd bid you in the next week. I mean, you're my friend. But... <laughs> that's one part of it that I've, I've always not really understood the strategy ah. of having a guy get hurt and instead of yeah. immediately replacing him with somebody and getting the stats of the replacement, just sort of waiting a week or two weeks or, or as many as three weeks yeah. uh, 
to replace that guy. Why would you not find somebody and, and stick them in there and get those counting stats instead of holding out and, and waiting those three weeks? What's the strategy behind that? I'm cheap. <laughs> okay. That's been answered. When, when you have to claim a free agent, it costs money. When you make the move, yes. it costs money. When the guy comes back from the DL and now you put him back up in the spot from the guy who you claimed, it costs money. When you replace that DL player, you know you, you have a cap of 12 players on your, on your ultra list, so your bench can only be 12 deep. If you have a flood of guys come off the DL, now you have to start cutting guys off of your ultra team, guess what? It costs money. <laughs> So okay. when you have a guy when you have a guy who gets hurt, plus the other thing is with that open slot, open slots are like gold. You could just claim any old. Oh, let me just look at the let me just look at the waiver wire and 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 claim anybody, you know. But because a certain number of teams are are forced to replace players within a certain time frame, sometimes you're sitting a little higher up the board and you have the only open slot which means as soon as a team calls up a like a top prospect or a guy who, you know, everybody knows, well, this guy didn't get picked in the minor league portion, but he's coming up and he, you know, well, he looks pretty good or he goes out and he has a great start, that open slot can really, I mean, it can turn a season around. You could claim somebody and and that guy could produce. So, yeah, there, there's a rule that says, oh, okay, Fister goes on the deal, I should immediately claim somebody and just start getting in, getting stats. Yeah, especially in a roto league, but doesn't always work that way. You, you can be, especially when you've only got one, like I have right now. Now, if I had three guys all go on the DL on the same day, I'd probably replace a couple of those and and leave one, you know, potentially. But I've also had guys with this new ten day DL more often last year. I had a guy go on the DL and come off the DL, and I never had to make a move at all thereby saving the real money of a trans of two transaction fees that you don't want Correct. to spend. Okay, I understand, I understand that. Especially claiming a free agent, which is the most expensive thing that you can do during the season. Especially if you have to do it after the trade deadline where it's double. It goes from 20 to 40, I believe, to claim a free agent. Yeah, that's right. definitely... Uh, a, a big time expense. So yeah, okay, I, I understand so, that. I suppose. So I never, I never did tell you um, about our bench. So you can go through our who guys real quick here. Um, our our minor <laughs> leaguers. Uh, you, you do know that we had uh, people don't listen. We finished in fifth place in the league, which means that we get the number one minor league pick or ultra pick or you know bench player anybody. Um, so we had for the very first time in 15 years we finished in fifth place. And ended up with the so, number one overall pick. And just explain that a little deeper. The top four finishers in the league get money. Right. First place gets the get most money. down to second, third, and fourth. Right. A few years ago, the league made the change of the fifth place team as a reward for continuing to try throughout the, yeah. the through to the end of the season. The team that finishes just out of the money gets the reward of getting the very first pick in the ultra draft next year. And then the picks go down in order from there. Sixth place gets the second ultra pick and seventh gets yeah. third and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, as a way to make sure that teams keep fighting and keep playing yeah. all the way through the end of the season. And personally, I 
would love if the major sports did that for their actual drafts. Everyone keeps talking about how horrible tanking is and how bad it looks for all, yeah. for all these leagues, the NBA and, and baseball and the NFL. All of them have been talking about how bad tanking is, and yet they don't change the rules to make it to, to disincentivize teams to tank. I think this would be a perfect way to disincentivize teams. The, the first team out of the playoffs in you know the, the ninth place team in the Eastern Conference in the NBA should get the number one pick in the draft because they're the ones that kept trying and kept fighting and just missed getting into the playoffs. And it should go down from there. And, and we don't have to deal with these stupid lottery balls and trying to pick what balls and figure out the draft, uh, draft order that way. Same thing in the, uh, in the NFL. Uh, I think that's the way to do it in, in real sports. And I can only hope that it comes uh, to fruition one of these days. And I have a feeling it, it, there's no, you know, I haven't heard anything at all that they're even considering it, any of the major leagues. But with so many people talking about how watching teams tank turns them off from watching the sport, when you look at how many empty seats there are in these arenas in oh, the yeah. NBA as the season is wearing down, uh, the team down here where I am in Memphis, they have done such a tank job. It's unbelievable. At one point, I think they lost 17 games in a row. Uh, at another point, they lost at Charlotte by like 65 points. They just don't – they didn't care. Once they figured out they weren't going to be anywhere near the playoffs, they seriously just tanked the fuck out of it And because you're incentivized to tank right now. But if they took the, the tack that our league takes and, and give you an incentive for continuing to play through the end of the year, uh, I think that would be best for, for all sports leagues. Yeah, yeah. By the by, the single virtue of us finishing a half of a point ahead for fifth place over the sixth place team last year, we got the number one pick in the minor league draft. Which, again, for people like, oh, that doesn't sound like it's a big deal. That's how you get Mike Trout, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you think back over the years of a lot. Usually, the number one is a coveted place. You know, people can really do some damage. If you if you Joe hit a home Mauer, run, guys like that. actually uh, you wouldn't believe this because I believe I had Joe Mauer in the minor league draft the year before you started with me. I think he was in my first year, and I went back and looked at it the one year I took Joe Mauer at fifty five the year I drafted him. Wow, hmm. in the yeah, yeah I've had some bad first round picks, but that's usually because we're picking at eight, you know. Six, three. One year we had Gordon Beckham, I think, was our number three pick because we had three guys that we really wanted, and he was the third, unfortunately. Um, But a couple of years ago, I know, I know. A couple of years ago, it got us got us James Paxton in the first round. That turned out okay. Um, So this year, it was it was uh, a player. I know you know who I picked because we've talked about this extensively. Everybody knew who I was picking, but you're especially excited. Because you get to watch this guy play when he comes up for the White Sox. That's your boy, Aloya Menes, who and I, I got to see play a little bit in spring training. And I couldn't believe just the raw power that I saw out of that guy. It was it was something to behold. And I was extra excited because I thought I was going to get to see him play live because he's in double A. And the double A oh. Birmingham <laughs> team is coming to Jackson, Tennessee. And I thought oh. I was going to get to... What happened was I made myself available to score for Baseball Info Solutions. I made myself available to score 
a Wednesday afternoon game, which my stupid day job uh, has weird hours. I'm off on Wednesdays. So I was going to have the opportunity to drive to Jackson and see Eloy Jimenez play live. To my shock, two other people volunteered for that date and got that game, and I didn't get it. So actually, I won't be seeing him live, so, unfortunately for me. But hopefully soon enough, we'll get to see him on TV. So uh, so my next round pick, and I don't remember all the round order here, but I do remember my second pick because I traded my number 12 pick to move down to number 20 and then also picked up a later round pick. So I did a twofer, you know. I did the NFL move, right? I'll give yeah. you I'll give you this pick and then I'll take your – yeah, I'll take your next pick, but then I want you to give me a pick later on to compensate the team I offered it to. Took it very quickly because they, no, they didn't pick any higher than 16. Um so I moved them up to 12. So they got 12 and 16, and I ended up with 20. Uh, we took the uh, post-hype, I guess, would be the best word to describe Franklin Barreto, who I believe you are aware of. Yeah, he's so young. He's almost he's almost yeah. too young for post-hype. He's only I think he's only 22 or 23. But, so, yeah, he's, he's, but he, he's almost post-hype. He's still almost post-hype yeah. at this point, which is really, when you think about it, kind of crazy. Um Run down the rest of the list here. Uh, Ariel Miranda has got a live arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Daddy does. Doesn't know where it's going. Doesn't know where it's going, but he's got a live arm. He reminds me of the old Daniel Cabrera. He's a buck. Uh, oh, we, we always. He's not quite that wild. <laughs> uh, Mike Fires, who's already got a win for us. Uh, bums. Rob Ref Snyder, bench bum. Yeah. Um, uh, Andrew Romine, total bench, bench bum. bum plays four positions though you know i love those guys um <laughs> caleb joseph a starting bum catcher bum catcher bum because you always got to have a backup catcher always yeah. you never if, you, if, if people might go oh that guy's terrible yes but realize if i had to dip into the free agent pool of catchers it would be even worse if you're not aware, this is an American League only fantasy. Only, yes. I this is AL only. Um Jake Bowers, who I don't know if you know who he is, but Jake Bowers is a uh, Tampa farmhand uh, who should be up yeah. this year. And I'm another post hype guy another post hype guy is Kyle Lewis, uh, from the Mariners, who other teams in our league have given up on already. But uh I think he's, you know, I, I think he was my last in the whole thing. So I'm like, well, what right. the hell? This guy was like a second round pick two years ago in our ultra draft. I took him as the very last player that I took. So that, that sort of rounds it out. Plus, we kept uh, the great Willie Adamas, who will be up in the not too distant future. Yeah. So that, that's so, how deep that, it goes. You know, it goes really deep. It goes deep. Yeah. And if nobody knows any of these names, you know, if this was National League, I. Forget it. <laughs> I'd have no clue. But you know, this is when I, I when I'm sitting there wondering about how soon the White Sox can call up Eloy Jimenez so I can get him up and start, you know, he can be come up and be a stud and start banging some homers for me. It's amazing, you know, just like the court. That's why fantasy, you know, mirrors the real thing because the things that I'm looking forward to are the same things that any team are looking forward to, or the way your roster makeup is right now is going to be totally different than what your roster makeup is two months from now. You'll have free agents, you'll have injuries, you'll have minor league guys that you've called up. 
you know, you'll have hits and misses and busts and sleepers, and it just it just keeps going. So the auction's just phase one. That's just the team you walked out with. The team that you have three, four months from now is going to be totally different. Trades, so it, so it, 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 it just sucks you right in. It, it, it hooks you in, and I, I'd still drive down to Chicago every year. I mean, hell, I was going to Chicago from Montana for this every year. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, that that, that happened. It was it was fun. It, it was fun like it always is. It was tense. Made a lot of jokes, you know. <laughs> you some you know you bit up some players. You watch some players that you liked go by. You get some players that you liked. You you, you get screwed on some things. You get you, you you just fall into some others. Sometimes you just get a guy, you know. I the first player, believe it or not, the first player we acquired was Lucas Duda on the Royals. For for a uh, amazing seven dollars, I don't know if this. I mean, I thought it was cheap, right? And it doesn't mean that that's the guy that you nominated or wanted or right. targeted or anything like that. It's just the guy that you finally decided to pay what you thought he was worth, and and no one else yeah. went higher, and so you got him. I said, and yeah. I said seven, and no one else said seven. eight, and I was like, well, no one said okay. eight. There it was. That's when we sort of started becoming the value pirates. Because <laughs> our first player like was a $7 player. You know, usually your first player is a $30 player. Right. Ours was ours was 7 You're not you're not saying that you think Lucas Duda is going to be a, you know, an all-star or no. hit 35 homers or have a breakout year or something. It's just that's the the value that you decided on at that point in time. I just threw a seven out there and it was going around the table and that's seven. And everybody else was like, pass, pass. They opened it up. One, two, three, you got them. I was like, all right, <laughs> I got somebody. And there you have it. <laughs> and so, that's how it works. That, and that's how it works. Sometimes it's just that easy. The lunch uh, for the draft once again was uh, the great Lou Malnati. Lou Malnati is, yeah, it was, it was good. It was really good. Yeah, I, I can't sure go down there and, and, and eat poorly. It's always good. Yeah. It's interesting with my sort of new diet and exercise routine. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I would have indulged, but it wouldn't have been nearly what people are used to seeing me have. It wouldn't have been like four uh, slices of pizza or anything like that. Yeah. It would have been more sometimes like one. Yeah, sometimes it's the volume more than what you're eating. Exactly, because one yeah. slice of pizza isn't going to kill you. When you start stacking right. them on top of each right. other, that's when you start getting out of control. It's it's all right to have a glass of soda. It's not all right to drink a whole three liter. <laughs> but it was diet. Come on, leave me alone. No, that's worse. No, you're right. <laughs> right, because it makes me crave the the, the cookies and, and the pop tarts. The pop tarts. Yeah. I told that. I told that to my wife one time about your about your going to bed ritual of the the fago yeah. and the pop tarts and she's like what i said i i think he just was trying to like get the crash you know i was i think you're aiming to notice what i yeah you know what helps you know some people some people you know so, some people take sleeping pills some people drink booze <laughs> <laughs> what helps Andre go to bed? Diabetes. 
That helps me go to bed. Warm milk, nah. I'm just gonna, no, I'm just, yeah, I'm just gonna eat so much sugar that I'm gonna hit the biggest sugar low of all time and then just pass out. Pretty much, it worked. I, I give you credit; it worked. You eat those pop tarts and drink that ego, and within a half an hour, you were just like, "Oh, I'm out. I'm going to bed." Uh, it's not like I wonder how I got to this size. I, I know exactly how, but just when I think when I think back to some of the things, like, oh my god, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I keep driving was... by. Unfortunately, from the hotel to the draft or to breakfast, I always drive by a Taco Burrito King, and I'm so sad because it's like <laughs> it's not the place that's in my rotation of places to go when I go down to Chicago. But every time I see one, I want to stop. I'm like, oh, yeah. And TBK. I mean, the, the like the the unsung hero of all the places that that you could go and eat or that would be in your like dinner rotation if you were going to go out to eat when you're in Chicago. TBK was always in the rotation. Maybe, maybe too much. But when I go down there, <laughs> I never go. So one of these times, I'm going to go down to Chicago and hit up the TBK. Well. It's because it's a perfect place to go for like when you're living in Chicago and you're on a little bit of a budget and yeah. you just need the, the the big calorie bomb to fill you up and <laughs> you know for not all for not too much of a price and it's it's perfect. But if you're a traveler coming in, you you kind of want a little more you know substance. You you want the the Portillos, which has more yeah. sort of a more of an of, a, of an option for your palate. Uh, and or maybe pizzerias or something like that. So I understand because I haven't yeah. gone to TBK since, uh, since I moved from Chicago either. And I go back to Chicago more than you do. I go back a couple of times a year and I never make it over there because I want yeah. Giordano's or uh, I have this weird White Castle thing that I have to have sometimes when I go to Chicago, which isn't, you know, a, a finer pal, you know, that, that's, not a, that's yeah. not fine dining at all. But I just love White Castle so much. But, so I was trying, but it's it's a smaller calorie bomb. It's not TV. <laughs> we, were, <you> know. <laughs> we were down visiting you and my grandpa when he was still alive. This was right after uh, Trini was born, and uh, yeah. we had just stayed in Memphis. So we were driving back home, and we went instead of going up fifty seven, we went up fifty five. I, I, yeah, I shake things up. So we went up the way where you go to St. Louis, and then up. Because um, one way or another, I got to end up in Bloomington so I can hit Highway thirty nine and drive straight up north. Um, so we were on 55 headed towards about St. Louis. We were about midway to St. Louis and, uh, it was lunchtime. And, uh, my wife apparently had never been to a white castle and they had one in Missouri and I stopped there and it sucked pretty bad. Oh no. And it, yeah, it, but the thing was, is it didn't change. I think it always sucked. <laughs> It tasted the same. The fries were the same. The shakes, you you still, like, your lungs come out with those shakes. Like, if you order a shake at White Castle, you can't <laughs> drink it for an hour because it's right. so it's hard. Extremely. Such a, such a draw. And Extremely. Thick. Yeah. It, nobody, nobody was very – I have a picture of my daughter eating at the White Castle in whatever podunk town we were in Missouri, uh, south of St. Louis, and it wasn't very good. And it made me realize that it was never very good. And I was sad because I had a lot of memories of the White Castle at, uh, oh, Christ. It was on Harlem. 
Harlem and the diversity out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Does that sound about right? Harlem and yeah. Grand kind of down there. That was always sort of the White Castle that wasn't that far from where I had lived out there. And I went there at White Castle quite often. And I had White Castle again five, six years ago now, and it was terrible. It might be terrible to me if I went five or six years without it, but I always <laughs> manage to have it when I go up there. So yeah, but it's something that you that you that you crave. It's what you crave. See, they got that tagline in your head. You know, what else? You know what else it is? Is here in Memphis they have a small mini burger place. It's not White Castle. It's called Crystals. Crystals sucks so yeah. bad that it makes me crave White Castle because it's so much better. Oh. And I. And, and people have asked me, what's the difference? I can't even put my finger on what the difference is. Crystal's just sucks, and White Castle's much better. I don't know why. But Crystal Crystal is the southern White Castle. It is. It's everywhere down here. Yeah. I just wish it was White Castle. And it's not even okay. all the southern uh, White Castle, because in Nashville, they have White Castle and not Crystal's. Or they might well, have I'll some tell you what. too. But... Jump, jump on 55, start driving towards St. Louis you'll eventually run into one. You don't even have to go all the way to Chicago. You only got to get a, you got to get somewhere between Sykeston and uh, St. Louis. And there's a white castle up there waiting for you. Well, it sounds about the same distance as going to Nashville, which is about three hours from here. So, yeah. Yeah. So about that, right? Yeah. Cause St. Louis for you, once you actually get across the bridge, St. Louis is only what? Four hours, four or five hours. Yeah. It's not a long ride. You know, we've considered going up to St. Louis just uh, as a getaway, but we had, well, I don't have the, the bulletproof gear. I, I don't really uh, know if I can go to St. Louis oh. right now, but uh, w- once I give the Kevlar in, I'll, I'll probably make that trip. Well, you go to uh, Chicago. So well, you don't stay in Chicago. You stay well, well south. As I explain to everyone down here who asks me about all the violence in Chicago, I tell them, look, you know where in Chicago you can and yeah. can't go. The violence isn't all across the entire city of Chicago. The violence is exactly where the police want it to be, which is in the poorest <laughs> neighborhood. It doesn't go downtown. It doesn't go to Streeterville. It doesn't go uh, on the lake. It doesn't go to the places where there's people there that they care about. It's to, it's where the people that they don't care about is, and that's exactly where they want it, and that's exactly where it's always going to be. So you don't have to worry about it as long as you know where and where not to go. Yeah, it's not just a running gunfight. It maybe it's, I don't know no. if that's what people think, or they get the idea of like the uh, yeah, what well, national news will make you think, and yeah, the, the dudes driving up think black cars just wasted each other. Yeah, if you watch the nightly news, it'll make you think that all of Chicago is just gunfire all the time everywhere you turn, and it's absolutely not the case. No, and it's just like any big city. There's crime-infested areas. There's nice areas. There's sort of in-between areas. It's any large metropolitan area, you're going to have that. Hell, the town I live in of 30,000 people has that. There's the good parts of town and the not-so-good parts of town. Yeah, Memphis has that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. Get off on airways <laughs> over there. I know. Uh, to quickly Get off before on airways, the live... going up to Brother Junipers. <laughs> that drive up <laughs> between between the 240 and the Liberty Bowl, that's a little dicey. 
Oh, <laughs> that's definitely a little dicey. That's that's over sort of near where I work. And yeah, there's oh. uh, I, there's been many mornings. There's, it's more than one hand, the number of fingers where I would count uh, the times going to work that I've seen a woman walking, uh, a woman of the night walking around uh, oh. around that area. And uh, so, yeah, that's what we're talking about. But but you know what's you know you know what's up you know what area that you're in and you know that you can have things like that happening. And you know, we you... were at Young. If you went two blocks up to Madison Avenue, that was all over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whitney Young High School in Chicago. That's right. Because you know what areas you can and cannot go to. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's right. That's why you got off the bus at Jackson and not at Madison. Uh, where, where was I on my way? Oh, uh, the, the live show is ending uh, in eight minutes for anyone who's listening yeah. live, which it probably isn't. Uh, so I wanted to cover the, the handful of things that I did say that I was that we were going to cover in our, our show description oh, sure. here. In eight minutes. So in eight minutes. Well, you know, March Badness very quickly. Um, yeah. Despite your having uh, the Loyola pick to go the first couple of rounds, that was your big highlight pick uh, that wound up working for you. Um, I wound up coming up coming out on top because in a very, very rare stroke of, of geniusness, I had the entire national title game picked out. I had Michigan versus Villanova. I had both of those teams and I had Villanova winning. So I had that whole thing before the tournament even started. So I, I do have the, the honor of having the best bracket this year. Uh, the only thing I can, uh, the, the one bad thing is that somebody, I believe in my bowling alley, when I told them, that I had the entire uh, national title game picked out and I picked the winner right, she immediately responded, oh, wow, how much did you win? Uh, and I said, I, I wasn't really in any uh, I don't, office pool. I, so. I don't have to watch ESPN for the draft. <laughs> but my, that's right. My prize is uh, I get to dictate which draft Jason has to watch, which version of the draft. Yeah. Um, and of course, I will always uh, pass off the ESPN version to you because it's just such a, a tickle well. Actually, and, I believe it's you get to choose which one you watch, which always just kind of leaves the other person watching ESPN because nobody watches. Right. I mean, there is no other coverage. That's right. If there was ever a third network that wanted to cover the draft, right? Uh, like I we talked about on the that. last show. <laughs> <laughs> I would, like we talked about on the last show that. Fox is covering the draft. Uh, for the it's on network television for the first time ever. Yeah. However, that's not a, a third network covering it. All they're doing is simulcasting the NFL Network version of it. So, uh, for for a network audience, uh, so that will I'm not be that. Uh, the, the Fox version. <laughs> no. I don't know if I'd want to watch the the if. Fox Sports was actually uh, producing no. a version of the draft coverage. Do you want to see Skip you know, Bayless the, giving NFL draft uh, analysis? The, S the ESPN one last year was so bland and inoffensive, it, it didn't bother me. Okay. Well, like it did when Berman was there. It was just shtick. Yeah. It, it was a little bit more I, nuts I, I and that. bolts. You know, I think it was Trey Wingo running the desk last year. Okay. So it was okay. It was watchable. Of course, because of my work schedule, I only watched the first hour live. The second hour I caught on radio. And then the third hour I caught live. 
on ESP. So it's sort of it's probably going to be that way for me again. So I'm not subjected to the full three hours of all just watching it on ESPN because of my work schedule on Thursday nights. I, I work for the you know the first hour I can watch, then I can have my drive home, and then I kept then I watch the last hour. So it's it's sort of broken up a bit, which I do they, like because uh, it gives me different perspectives. I don't know if they moved the first round to Wednesday or not, but I thought I, I thought they did. And but wow. that particular Wednesday, I, I had initially scheduled our show for that Wednesday, and then I oh. uh, realized that I have to work a, a Redbirds game. I have to score a Redbirds game that night, so I, I oh. won't be there Wednesday. I moved the show to Thursday, but I don't think the first round is on Thursday. I think the first round is on Wednesday, so we'll still do our draft aftermath oh. on Thursday. We just Got be it. talking about what happened the night before in, instead of uh, happening what yeah, happened they, that very night. Because they're doing like the first round one night, and then they do what rounds two and three now on right. the second night, and then they do the rest of the draft on the third day. Last year they did the rest of the draft on like Saturday morning and afternoon. Yeah, and I yeah. think they're. They're either stretching it out over four days now, or they're making that third day on a Friday. But I, I, I do think the first night, the first round is on Wednesday, uh, April the twenty sixth. Yeah. And uh, do you remember? Rather. Do you remember just getting up on a on a Saturday, Saturday morning. morning at ten o'clock and watching the whole damn thing? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because we're old. Yeah, we remember that. It just makes you know, you old when you think about those days. You know, the first that thing that popped in my mind. when you could only mind, watch it on ESPN with Berman right. and Stick, you know, and, mm-hmm. and Kuiper and all those guys. The first thing that pops in my mind when I think about those Saturday morning drafts is the, the day that we weren't even kids anymore. We were adults. The day that I woke up and started seeing rumors on the Internet that the Houston Texans had the first overall pick and uh-huh. had Reggie Bush lined up in their sights and were not going to go with Reggie Bush. Instead, we're going to go with, uh, was it, was his name? Williams? The, the, the Mario Williams event, Mario Williams. And I thought it was a joke. I was like, no, they are not passing over Reggie Bush to go with some defensive end. And damn it, if they didn't do that. And I think I just joined Facebook, like, not not very long before that, and I posted that's why the Houston Texans are the Houston Texans. And <laughs> I, I don't think I was wrong, but I certainly wasn't right either because Reggie Bush did not have the career that I thought he was going to have, and Mario Williams was pretty decent. Right. I still would have made the. I still would have taken Reggie Bush over Mario Williams any day of the week because that's how great Reggie Bush was. But. That's those memories are are gone because the first round is in the prime time and you got all the day to lead up to it and all the hype and all of that and it's 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 something different now but you know everything is is a little different than it was when we were younger. Yeah, well you you're taking us right up into the after show here. So, well, congratulations for winning the March Badness which you should win handily every year. <laughs> You actually watched basketball that I watched. Yeah, that's right. I watched a little bit more than I normally watch, and and, you know, and I did a little bit better than I usually do in the in the pool. I actually, I still, I also had Villanova with you. Yeah, yeah, you did. That's true. You you were right there with me with Villanova. Um, 
But you had Xavier winning it all, I believe. So they did. And they, um, well, they at least they didn't have Virginia. <laughs> oh God, whoever had Virginia. More on our after show when we come back. All right, into our VIP after show, where eventually I will get around to explaining the title of the show, which I never referenced, not even once during the actual live show, which will be a problem if anyone listened to us live, but no one does, so it's okay. The title? Oh! Did you even notice the title of the show? Yes, I did. Yeah, and I you went know back what and clicked that it was we had this conversation the other day, yes. Right. Yeah, we we already talked about it, so you know what that uh to what that refers Well, I guess that would that, that would be the segue then into uh our, our thoughts on uh, WrestleMania, which I actually unfortunately did not get to watch. But Oh, okay. You, you I, missed it. Okay. I, I did I did follow all the results. I sadly <laughs> I read Read up on it, watched a couple of recap videos. I didn't want to feel completely out of the loop, so I am fully aware of what happened. But like I said, driving to Chicago and then driving back, and Sunday right. I was just a complete I was just a complete wreck on Sunday. So, well, you say that you followed the results, and you say it was such reservation as if it's. Oh my God! I got the results of WrestleMania. It was so terrible. Is is that worse than what I did, which is wake up the next morning at like five, six in the morning and go to my normal websites where I can find uh, clips of pay per views from the night before for free uh, that have been pirated. Oh. But but I know you have to get up that early to get them because WWE is all over and they'll they'll be taken down if you wait too long in, into the day. So uh, I mean I'm you know normally up sort of close to that early anyway uh but i i got up that early monday morning to to find all the clips of wrestlemania and i spent the next four or five hours finding clips of wrestlemania and watching uh, so piece, piecing it together little by little i watched all of wrestlemania uh monday morning but i had to get up you know before the sun was up basically to start watching so i i, I think you as, as ashamed as you sound that you went and read up and found the clips don't be ashamed because you could have been me sitting there in the wee hours of the morning looking for for pirated clips of the thing no that was fully shame on my part for <laughs> even devoting any of my resources and my my valuable time to reading up the any of the live live results or you know after i fell asleep getting up the next morning and, and then reading the recap and but i did i did do it and so, even before that uh, while it was going on, my uncle is texting me, and oh. he's talk, he's trying to tell me about the pageant. What pageantry? This is unbelievable. He's why he's just assuming that I'm watching, and I had to text him back. I'm not watching. I don't have WWE Network. I didn't order the thing. I'm not paying for this. I'm I'm gonna wait until tomorrow morning and, and find a way to watch it on the internet somehow. And he's like, dude. <laughs> Here's my here's my WWE Network information. Go log on and watch the thing yourself. Just he he felt so sorry for me. I could tell, and I, I tried to take his information. It, the the login wouldn't work for some reason, and so I, I couldn't watch it as it was. And plus, I think if, even if I did log in, I think they fixed it where 
two people can't be on the same account at the same time. They, it used to be anyone could log in on an account and, and you could watch it anywhere and it'd be, you know, five, 10, 20, 50 different people on one account watching all over the country and all over the world. But I think they fixed it now. If, if, if I'd have logged in successfully, I think it would have cut him. I think it would have cut my uncle off sitting there at home watching. And oh, he wouldn't. Have, and I, I didn't want to do that at all because that's just really ridiculous. Uh, I'm I'm selfish and I use people all the time, but I didn't want to be quite that selfish. Uh, but it didn't work anyway. So thankfully, uh, you know, he, he didn't get cut off. So I'm sitting there. So I could have ordered WWE Network for, you know, $10 a month or whatever it was. Um, there's many different ways I could have watched it like a normal person. And I chose to get up at five in the morning, the next morning and watch it, uh, online for, you know, so uh, that's pretty pathetic right there. So however pathetic you feel for reading recaps, uh, at least you didn't do what I did. No, I'm glad. So I don't feel so bad anymore. There you go. That's what I'm here for to make you feel better about yourself. Um, so your impressions, your thoughts of what what wound up happening at WrestleMania, definitely a lot of results that were not what what we discussed yes. on the uh, on the WrestleMania preview show. Yeah, and that's probably what I what I noticed that it, it did fly. A lot of the results did sort of fly in the face of of what you know yourself and Jerry, the wrestling expert, were uh, were shooting for. You know, you you had uh, what Les Lesnar won. Uh, where everybody thought that the setup there was for him to lose <laughs> to Roman Reigns, mm-hmm. and Roman Reigns was going to get over, and it didn't happen. And Roman Reigns showed once again that he can take a really good beating. <laughs> he did. He got his el- he got his head split open by a Brock Lesnar elbow, blood dripping everywhere in the ring, and he, he, he usually the the good guy when he gets busted up like that that's just to set up for him to make the even more heroic comeback and still win and make him look like a, a bigger hero. And instead he got his head split open and got up and got beat. And it was pretty shocking. So yeah, I, I, I guess WWE decided to go in a different direction again, because I, I've been reading for five years now that Vince McMahon wants Roman Reigns as his top guy and as his champion. And is he's just, determined to get him over as a as a good guy and it's just not going to happen the fans just don't like him they never will like him uh because he's not uh charismatic in any way right and how many years have we been talking about the fact that when you have somebody like that just make him a bad guy right yeah you would think they all hate you you. they all hate you they'll probably like you if you were a bad guy yeah exactly he definitely would get a lot more cheers if you were a bad guy, which is sounds strange to say, but, but that's, that's where he is right now. So yeah, that was extremely shocking. Uh, there was a lot of sort of tricks being played in the, in the sort of wrestling media uh, guys that I follow on Twitter and, and read their websites and stuff. There was a lot of people trying to paint the picture going into WrestleMania that Brock Lesnar was going to lose because he wasn't going to sign a new contract with WWE and then he was going to go back to UFC. The one problem with that that I always found that skeptical was because he got drummed out of UFC for failing a drug test and you can't just walk right back into UFC 
a few years later after failing a drug test, you have to be in their program taking more drug tests for like a full year before you can get cleared to come back in the UFC. And Brock Lesnar being of the age that he is up in his uh, early 40s at this point, that's a year waiting to be cleared that I don't think he has. You know, that's if he were in his 30s or something, I could see that. But I, I don't I, and I think Dana White even said publicly he thinks Brock Lesnar is coming back to UFC someday. But I don't see how if he's going to if he has to wait a minimum of a year to to give you a bunch of clean drug tests before going back in the UFC and he's already in his early 40s. That means he can't possibly come back until he's about in his mid 40s. And at that point, that's really hard to imagine that he's going to do that. So there were a lot of websites that were proclaiming, look, Roman Reigns is definitely winning now because Brock Lesnar's contract is about to be up with WWE. And he's going to go back to uh, to ultimate fighting. But I just never believed that uh, for the reasons that I just stated. What I didn't expect was that he was just going to go over clean over Roman Reigns. And then what happened the next day, which you probably aren't aware of, because I'm sure you don't follow wrestling that closely, is Brock Lesnar comes out the next day, Monday, yesterday, and he signs a new WWE contract. So now it all makes sense. Okay, that's why he won, because he's not going anywhere, because he's going to stay in WWE and probably uh, for the rest of his career, which makes a whole hell of a lot more sense. You make so much money, you don't have you don't have to have a real fight, and you don't have to pass drug tests, because as Jerry and I talked about with WWE, if you're a part-timer, you're not subject to their quote-unquote wellness policy, so you don't have to worry about failing any drug tests. So it was kind of always a no-brainer for Brock Lesnar to stay in WWE. Yeah, so that so there's that. So that match was what, uh, and everything that I read in the sort of aftermath of this was that it was generally not a well-received match. <laughs> no. Um, and one of the overall weaker um, main events. Correct. There was there was so there's that. But overall, in the in the lead up, not not terrible, not a terrible show from everything that I that I've been reading. No, very, very good show uh, besides the main event. Yeah, a lot of surprises, a lot of great wrestling, a lot of everyone clearly trying as hard as they could uh, to, you know, everyone had their working shoes on as they, as they yeah. call it, as the lingo goes. So, yeah. So for all the buildup, so for all the buildup that you and Jerry were talking about, what was your thoughts on the two minute and 45 second beat down of John Cena by The Undertaker? pretty much what I expected. Um, you're not going to really get Undertaker I, after he's taken two losses in the last four years or whatever at WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, in his, he's in his 50s now. You're not going to get him to get out there again to lose again. He's already lost twice. Um, you're, you're only going to get him out there to face Cena if he's going to go over Cena. Otherwise, he's not going to do it because why would he? Um, so, yeah, make complete sense. Uh, Cena getting the almost no offense on Undertaker, you know, sort of Cena's way of uh, acknowledging, hey, thanks for coming out. Thanks for doing me this solid and coming and, and doing this match with me. Uh, I, I understand you can't, you know, do too much. So I'm just, we're, we're not going to stretch it out and try to make it a 25 minute classic or anything like that. Let's just, you know, do this quickly and I'll do the, I'll do the honors for you and, and give you all the glory. That that's 
that makes sense that that's that's Cena's personality as well as uh like I said Undertaker I don't imagine would even want to come out there unless he was going to win because what you know what's the point um so yeah it actually made total sense the way they made it happen was that Cena was sitting there in the crowd uh acting like he was just a fan and, and you know how ridiculous is that that he's John Cena and they won't let him in the, in the locker room just to stand around he has to sit out there as a fan but it, he did a good job of making it seem like that's what he wanted to do that he wanted to be there and watch and, and do it from the fans uh aspect uh and then they have a referee run out there and whisper in his ear hey Undertaker's here he's, he's actually gonna show up and, yeah. and accept your challenge and they have Cena get these big wide eyes and then he sprints to the back and you know, so he can go get his wrestling gear on and, and get ready for the big match. And so they do a little bait and switch. They have him, they have Cena come out to his entrance. The one part I, that, uh, that I pre- uh, predicted that didn't happen was I thought it was going to be sort of like an unsanctioned fight. It wasn't going to be like a real match because of the fact that Undertaker put his gear down in the middle of the ring after losing last year, which indicated that he was retiring. Uh, so they had it like a real match. They had Cena announced and, and they had a referee there. Uh, so the way they addressed the retirement from last year was they had Undertaker's gear show up in the middle of the ring where he left it last year. And then they had, you know, some voodoo magic and they had a, a lightning bolt and the gear disappeared and then Undertaker made his normal entrance and, and everybody went <laughs> deep shit. And so at least they addressed it. At least he didn't just come out and pretend like, you know, oh, I, I'm just kidding. I, I didn't retire last year at all. So they made it seem like he came out only because Cena kept calling him. And, and now, okay, I'm going to put my gear back on because Cena kept calling me a pussy, basically. Uh, so it, 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 it was well explained as far as I'm concerned, even though it wasn't really explained by words. Uh, so that was fine. That, that was I have, I have absolutely no no problem with the way they did that. Now, if Undertaker comes back next year and fights somebody else because they called him out, then I'm going to start having a problem with it because it's like, dude, how many times you're going to pick up your gear and put it on again just because somebody calls you out? You, you can't keep doing that until you die. That's just silly. Well, he can keep doing that if he keeps showing up for three minute matches. Yeah, but then it loses its effectiveness. Oh, Undertaker's here. Somebody's about to go down in three minutes again. You know that's. Uh, maybe maybe do so, that the, so basically the so the whole point of coming out there and just sort of jobbing Cena was probably to be like, hey, nobody else better call me out right now. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just put that down because this guy is like what eighty years old. <laughs> he, he needs to needs to hang it up. Yes, no, no doubt about it. Uh, Anything else that really stood out uh, for the reviews that you were reading? No, that was the big. Well, the big one was just the big letdown of the of the main event. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the there were there were some non surprising outcomes. Uh, Daniel Bryan winning in his tag team match, not surprising. Undertaker winning, not surprising. Ronda Rousey and her tag team match, not uh, and winning, not surprising. Yeah. So, so you you had to have some of those. Uh, I think the ones that people were a, a little surprised by was the uh, the women's championship with the the, the undefeated yeah. gal uh, losing, mm-hmm. and that Seth Rollins won the Intercontinental title. I believe you and I, uh, you and uh, Jerry both said that's just not happening. 
Yeah, and and it wound up happening. Now, yeah. I, I had a feeling it was going to be uh, the way Miz was slurping and talking about how good of a guy he is now that he had a daughter and he's a changed man. When he was doing that on the go home raw, I just thought that meant he was going to show up at WrestleMania and, and play like he's a, a good guy and a changed man and then do something dastardly in the middle of the match to go back to his evil ways. But he really didn't do that. No, they just decided to have Seth go over and, and win the title clean, which is fine. It's, it's the Intercontinental House. It doesn't really matter. Um, Charlotte lose Charlotte Flair losing or uh, beating Oscar and retaining the title and the SmackDown Women's title and ending Oscar's winning streak clean in the middle of the ring. Uh, I'm shocked. I'll I'll claim stupidity and I don't know exactly why they did that. They didn't have to build Charlotte Flair more as a, a giant killer unless it's going to be Charlotte against Ronda Rousey uh, down the road at WrestleMania or something. They could have done Oscar versus Ronda Rousey. I don't know if that would have been any lesser or, you know, any worse of a, of a WrestleMania match than what Charlotte versus Ronda is going to be. But I guess there's a little symmetry there. Ronda Rousey had these three women around her uh, in UFC and they called themselves the four horse women, uh, going off of the four horsemen that Ric Flair used to have. And then Charlotte Flair had four, had three girls around her uh, when she was down in NXT and they called themselves the four horse women. So there are these sort of factions of, of horse women going against each other. And at one point it was thought that those two factions were going to find a way to have a WrestleMania match, uh, but that didn't wind up happening. So I guess this is going to be, the two leaders of the four horse women, Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey, probably ne- uh, at next year's WrestleMania, uh, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I did not expect that they built up the things that they went through to make sure Asuka stayed undefeated for the last three years, just to get her to lose the Charlotte Flair clean in the middle of the ring. Asuka was the, the NXT women's champion and she never lost that title. She just dropped it to go to uh to the WWE to go to SmackDown. Uh so they they had her just lay down a title in the middle of the ring and just leave it, which is pretty in a way sort of disrespectful. It, through the years when a when a wrestler would leave a territory and just drop the title uh and, and not get beat for it, that was sort of like uh like a middle finger back in the day. Like fuck all you guys. I'm not losing to any of you before I get out of here. I'm just dropping the title. Whoever wants it can have it. Because it's just it's scraps, it's garbage scraps for as far as I'm concerned. So this isn't the same thing because it's not like Oscar left the company to go to a different company. It's the same company, but even still, just the act of I'm so much better than all the girls down here that I'm just going to drop the title and not lose to anybody and then go up to WWE. So they kept her undefeated that way. They didn't ever lose the title in NXT. They had this mixed match challenge thing going the last two months where they had. Uh, a woman and a man team up against a woman and a man and they had it on Facebook exclusively. So this is another one of those things that Facebook was getting involved in. Of course, we know oh, they got sure. uh, the base, they got baseball games that they're exclusively televising. Uh, so they're trying to get into different uh, social media ways of televising events. And this was another thing that they did. They had matches, they had a mixed match challenge that was televised exclusively on Facebook. And Oscar won that. Oscar and the Miz were uh, were a team, and they won the mixed match challenge. And they kept saying before every match, if Oscar and the Miz lose this match, this counts on Oscar's record. 
she will no longer be undefeated if they lose this mixed match tag team match, even though it's a, a mixed tag team match or whatever, which guarantees she was going to win the mixed match challenge. Because if she was going to lose, they wouldn't mention that, or they would just, you know, make an excuse and say, "But that didn't really count. She wasn't, you know, one on one with anybody." So all the things that they did to obviously protect her and keep this streak alive, just to go lose to the woman that they've already anointed as the best women's wrestler in the world, Charlotte Flair. Like I, the reason I don't, the reason I didn't understand it was I don't think Charlotte Flair needed that win. I don't think she needed to end Oscar's streak to, to be seen as great. She already was up there at the top. So, but like I said, if it's to make her against Ronda Rousey for next year, WrestleMania, I guess I, I, I guess I get it. Okay. So surprising that they, yeah, like you said, why all the build up and just have it sort of end that way. But yeah, we don't know. Part of it is with the internet, you know, these and all the information and, and blogs and YouTube videos and speculation, how, how much of the script writing is done to sort of fly in the face of expectations now? That's a good question. Um, but I'm under the impression that Vince McMahon is still, even though he's in his seventies and probably not all there, um, that it, everything pretty much still has to go through him. If he doesn't like it, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen no matter how many people uh, online are predicting it or whatever. So all of these things still have to be approved uh, ultimately by, by Vince. Um, yeah. But I don't know how much importance he puts on making sure that the women's championship match uh, has a surprise ending or anything like that. I don't, I don't know exactly how much stock he puts in. I, I, I know they put a lot of stock in Ronda Rousey. So whatever they're setting up for her is going to be like the big thing in, in the women's division by the time they have WrestleMania next year. That, that, that much wow. I do know. I will say the newest Ronda, uh, name. Oh, what? I was just going to say, cause Ronda Rousey is getting the, uh, you know, ESPN uh, mainstream yeah. media coverage. There's, all of that stuff is happening because of Ronda Rousey because of how big she used to be in USC. So they're definitely going to build anything with her as like the most important thing in the, in the women's division. Yeah. Well, so there's, they're already thinking about next year. There's always a plan, right? Oh, always, always long-term planning with this. So one of the, one of the, the live blog I was watching uh, that was keeping updated on it gave me the name, the newest, name my new favorite name for a wrestler in the wwe nicholas the child <laughs> yeah that was uh that was strange I, I, yeah I can't just even... reading about it was strange i couldn't imagine what watching it live was like it was it was so weird so I, I, of course, I didn't watch it live. I just, you know, on these clips. It wasn't clips the hockey talk man. It was the not the honky talk man. man. Jerry would have had the greatest call in history yeah. if it was, but it was not the honky yeah. talk man. Yeah, or or the big boss man. I was kind of really hoping, you know, maybe it would be the big boss man. Is he dead? That would uh, that would have been an unbelievable pull because big boss man has been dead for I think six seven years now. See, here's the thing: when you bring up any of these old wrestlers. <laughs> You've got a you really high chance to be dead. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're right. 
Yeah, Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, Road Warrior Hawk. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Did, did, did. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, so what I did was um, the, the, the moment comes when Braun Strowman comes out to the ring and he doesn't have a partner. And I'm so, you know, ready for this big surprise and ready to be, uh, to, to have some great, surprise wrestler that hasn't been there in five years come back or something something incredible happened i just fast forward and keep jumping forward until i see what he's going to do and so therefore him going through the crowd looking for somebody that took forever to me because i just kept skipping forward 30 seconds at a time a minute at a time and he really made a long walk around the arena looking for a partner and he finally picks this little 10 year old and, and takes him by the hand and walks him all the way to the ring. And I'm just, my mouth is dropped during this. I'm like, what the fuck? What, what, what is, what is going on here? So they got the, the surprise value of that for what, for what it's worth. Um, and then he puts the kid up in the, in the corner and he fights the whole match, uh, with the kid standing there as his partner. And, at one point, he actually gets in trouble and has to make the hot tag to his taxi partner, and he tags the kid in. <laughs> and the crowd goes crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, no! Don't go crazy. You're about to this, watch this, a this, child get murdered on live this television. Can't, this can't be good. Either you're going to watch a child get murdered trying to work against grown men, or the child is going to be like superhuman and beat up wrestlers that have been doing this for 15 years. <laughs> And just make me want to vomit. And they break yeah. themselves out of out of that corner by having the kid stand there trembling and scared for ten seconds, turn right back around and tag Braun Strowman back in, and then he immediately gets in the ring, cleans house, and hits the power slam and wins the match, and, and they win the titles. So I was just like, okay, this is this is. I have to admit, I thought it was stupid. I have to admit, I thought it was a, a, a like a make a wish stunt that this kid uh, is dying, and they did this, uh, you know, to make him feel good because he's about to like kick the bucket in the next two weeks or something. And so I didn't want to feel too bad about it because I, I just assumed it was something oh, like, like that. Like a make a wish kid? Oh boy! That's what I thought. That, that's the. I, there's no other explanation for it. Obviously, he's a plant. Obviously, they planned all this, but you know, obviously, he wasn't. They didn't just pull a rando out of the crowd like that. But unless it's, you know, a make a wish type of thing, I don't know why you would do this. And so what happened was, uh, I, I won't go into everything that happened on Raw the next night, but, and you probably don't know what happened. Um, I do know what happened. Oh, you did read about they this. They can't okay. defend the title because the kid's a fourth grader. Yeah. Yeah. Ron, but he'll be back. And... <laughs> he'll be back when school lets out. He did cut a promo and said that they were gonna get they're gonna get these hands when he's out of school. So I don't know what that means exactly, but yeah, they just came back on Monday Night Raw and just yeah. forfeited the titles. That was the end of that. So it was, but that's what I don't, I don't like is that you have yeah. WrestleMania basically get completely negated the next day. Right. So it's what's the point? That's like they play the Super Bowl and then the next day, oh, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. <laughs> we don't want this. And honestly, I oh, thought they were going to do that. There was a bad with, call. Yeah. Oh. 
I thought they're going to do that with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I thought they were going to have another match uh, on Monday Night Raw, and Roman was going to go over yeah. there. Uh, but but Brock didn't even show up. Um, but yeah, that was just, that was just the strangest, most bizarre thing. They I don't know if they if if if, if something comes out that it was a Make a Wish kid, then I then I get it. But until then, I don't know who this kid was. I haven't done enough research to read about who he was. I'm sure it's out there somewhere exactly who he is. If he's you know, a, 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 an executive son or something like that. I don't know who he was. I don't know what the point of that whole stunt was. And they, they could have done so much better if they put a real wrestler as, as a surprise tag team partner and had them win the titles or something like that. So I don't know. That, that, that was, that was very baffling. Nicholas, the child youngest champion in WWE history, by the way. Wow. You, you Broke know what? Record. That reminds you know what that reminds me of is is when Eric Bischoff was running WCW, he had the bright idea. Hey, you know what would be a good publicity stunt if we gave a Hollywood actor the title and and had the yeah. you know had MTV and all that covering that. So David Arquette, as you may be aware, I do remember uh, that because he made what well, it David was all tied in because he made the the wrestling movie, Ready to Rumble uh, wrestling movie. Yeah. yeah, it was basically just well, hey, RoboCop, right? RoboCop. Oh. <laughs> they didn't give him a fucking title, at least. He didn't have a, that would have been better. RoboCop would have had a title. <laughs> that would have been... <laughs> that would have been even and better. New world heavyweight champion, RoboCop! Uh, yeah, I didn't get to see the match, but uh, the, the IGN live blog, the one that I was following that was giving the live updates, said that Daniel Bryan must be superhuman now because for a guy who was out medically, he was getting worked. Of course. And that's what he does. And that's what me he and Terry were punches. talking about. With it. He yeah. doesn't know how to work at 80% or 90%. He's yeah. 100% all the time. Which is scary in this one respect, is you know who else was one hundred percent all the time? Chris Benoit. Uh oh. And we oh, no. with him. So I'm I, I'm oh, not no. saying Did you I'm go just, there? I I'm just saying it. Benoit was he reminds me so much of Benoit that all oh, the no. time, every match, no matter how hurt they were, you know they were going balls to the wall every time. So and, live on the air here, are you are you calling a murder suicide here? Live on I, the air. I'm I did not say those words. I did not say those <laughs> words. I, I'm following up. See, I, I'm asking the question. I, I'm just pointing out facts. That's all. Oh. Both of those guys have a reputation of one hell of a prediction. Possible. <laughs> I don't want to make that prediction. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing out similarities. That's all I'm doing. Okay. Parallels, I believe. Yes. Yes, okay. Hopefully Got not, it. Hopefully not perfect parallels. Right. Uh, yeah, I uh so I was reading uh and, and watching uh other uh wrestling leagues and, and and as we were sort of talking about a little bit on the WrestleMania preview show that there's so many uh independent independent promotions that go down to whatever the city is the week of WrestleMania and they put on all their own shows and they get all these people that are in town for WrestleMania. Hey, if we can get a small fraction of those people to come in and watch our show, then we'll get some 
publicity out of the whole thing and we'll get a, we'll make a little money and maybe we can uh turn that into you know making a bigger name for ourselves and it's a, a genius idea i don't have any idea who was what was the first group to come up with the idea but every single organization does it now every indie group whether they get 200 people 400 people a thousand people uh however many uh, ring of honor got it i think they set a record with their attendance i think they managed to go to the uh, university of new orleans arena and so they got like 5500 people which is uh, the most they've ever gotten for a show uh but no matter how many you get you need to have your organization down there uh running a show uh because it's just it, people who love pro wrestling that's where they are that's where they're gathering uh, for WrestleMania, and you you want that crowd, you want those passionate people to come see your show because those are the people that are most likely to enjoy your product, to recognize the quality of your product, and to possibly come back and consume your product some other time, whether uh, they go to where you are in California or uh, Texas or wherever you originate, or if you have enough money to go on tour uh, they'll they'll remember you and they'll say, hey, I remember those guys and I, I really like them and I'll go make a, a, a trip to see them. It's a great idea for whoever does it. Um, and Jerry was discussing whenever WrestleMania comes to close to up there in Wisconsin where you guys live and, and it's rumored to be going to Minnesota uh, in 2020 or 2021. He was talking about going up there uh, for WrestleMania, and, and I was kind of joking uh, on the pre on the uh, the WrestleMania show that we did the prod the podcast, and I was like, yeah, I think I need to go up there too uh, for for that WrestleMania up in Minnesota, just to you know hang around with with Jerry and, and it, it's, I've never been to a WrestleMania. It's something that as a huge wrestling fan, I probably should try to to do at least once. Um, and but now reading all week about all these different independent shows down in New Orleans where WrestleMania was this year um, in New Orleans and in the in the surrounding uh, towns uh, Kenner Louisiana and Poncher Train and all these other uh, towns that had arenas that uh, you could get five hundred a thousand people in there um, and, and a lot of them were running different uh, groups different indie groups on the same day, like on the Thursday or Friday before WrestleMania, uh, one of those arenas could have as many as four or five different shows because if this organization books a, a, a noon show and then the next organization books a three o'clock show and then the next organization has a seven o'clock show and then the next organization books a midnight show, which sounds insane, but it happened. Uh, there were shows being ran that started at midnight and ended at like three, a.m. 3 3 30 a.m. uh it happened and i was reading about them and in some cases i was able to watch some of the footage of them and man that seems like just the craziest stuff uh i, I think now i want to go to a wrestlemania weekend not for wrestlemania for all the shit that happens in the week leading up to wrestlemania in whatever town uh that wrestlemania happens to be in some of these shows that I was reading about, uh, whether it's the show that had, uh, they called themselves Bloodsport and they took down the ring ropes and made 
I, I still don't know exactly if it was real fights or if they were still working and, and, and it was still pre-staged and predetermined, but they were just making it look like uh, shoot fights. But they had a whole show of all fights where they took the ropes down and made it look like it was like, you know, shoot fights or, or mixed martial arts fights. And they, they called it blood sport. And apparently it was really fun, uh, really fun to watch that stuff. There was another show where all every match was uh, intergender match. Every match was a man versus a woman. And, you know, half the matches the men went over and half the matches the women went over. But every match was either a man versus a woman or a mixed tag match. And I, I would find that fascinating because there's so many women that I've seen, not just recently, but like in the last three or four years, that will fight against men and make it look good, make it look real. And man, my, my hat's off to those women because that cannot be easy. Some of those, uh, no matter how hard you try to pull a punch, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you actually hit somebody. They call it potatoing somebody. And to, to be a chick that wants to, to risk that just to say, hey, we're, we, we can work as well as any man and we can get in there and even work with men and we can take uh, some, you know, some of that abuse and, and come out just fine because it's not all about if you got a dick or not. It's about can you take it? And some of them are really great at taking it. And I, I think I'd love to go see a, a card with all intergender matches like that. Uh, one of the shows that I was reading about that was still going on at, at three in the morning, which is just at, at my age to, to, to witness that, it would be great. And I would be in such trouble the next day physically. It, it would just kill me to be uh to, to have a day where I was watching wrestling all day and it ends at three in the morning. I can just imagine how much pain I would be in now staggering back to the hotel room and my wife just berating me the next day. Yeah, of course you're tired, dumbass, because you went to a wrestling match at three in the morning and stay out all night. Of course you're in pain. What what did you think was gonna happen? But I I wanna do it. I really think I want to do it just to say that I did it, just because some of the things that you might witness in a, a match that's going on that late is probably stuff you never think you'd see. Some of the stuff in the crowd in a, in a, in a card that's happening at three in the morning is stuff that you thought you'd never see. Uh, what I got, uh, the, the title of the show, I got that from reading some tweets uh, uh, from people who were attending one of these shows that was happening at three in the morning uh, in which they reported that they heard somebody at three in the morning in the crowd yelling out loud as if there's no repercussions legally or anything. They just didn't care. It's three in the morning and they really wanted to do this. So they decided to do it. Somebody at one of these matches at 3 a.m. during WrestleMania weekend was yelling out loud. Is anybody here selling cocaine? Just like that. Just, you know, obviously they, they needed some blow. It was 3 a.m. They were at a wrestling match and they needed to stay a little more alert and they didn't want to miss the main event and they didn't want to miss a moment of what was going on and they, they just wanted some blow. And, you know, it, it happens. You just need a little extra boost. You know, an extra pick-me-up. Uh, so I just, I, I really want to go, uh, when it goes to Minnesota, I really want to go up there, but it's not for WrestleMania anymore. I think I actually literally would leave town like Saturday night after watching uh, the, the Saturday night indie shows and I would just leave before WrestleMania even took place. Cause I don't need to be there for, uh, you know, 
to have a crappy seat uh, where I can't see, uh, you know, in an 80,000 seat football stadium, you can't see shit. Uh, you're basically watching on a big screen. So, you know, you basically should go home and watch it anyway. If you're just watching on a big screen, you just go home, watch it on your own big screen. You know, you got your own bathroom. You don't have to worry about uh, long lines of the bathroom. You don't have to worry about concessions and paying $15 for a hot dog or anything like that. Uh, I, I want to go to WrestleMania weekend now um, just to experience all the indie stuff that happens before WrestleMania, but I don't actually want to stay for WrestleMania now. I just want to stay long enough to hear somebody scream out loud as if cops aren't around at all, as if there's no repercussions for anything. Is anyone here selling cocaine so they can stay up and keep watching the wrestling that's going on at 3 a.m.? It's a good story. I, I, I believe it happened. I actually do believe that, that that's an actual thing that was uttered because that's just, it's got to be a wild, just a wild time, that whole run up to that. First of all, you, you, you know, the makeup, you, you, you know, the makeup of the people who would be at something like that. Yeah. <laughs> at that yeah. time of night. So yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't seem out of character. It's absolutely, it's crazy. I, you know, I when you told me the story. I was like, well, it's a cop. It's gotta be a cop. <laughs> Nope, I believe it 100% too. No, I I believe it was a regular guy. And and you know what else I believe? I believe he probably got some blow before the night was over. He probably probably. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good Minnesota being so close to you, uh, I I want you to be there too for that week. I don't know how many nights you could possibly pull up with. Oh, (laughs) man. With being out with me and Jerry uh, watching yeah. wrestling until the wee hours yeah. of the morning. But at least you know, I, and I've been to a couple of live. You know, one of my buddies was a, a wrestler when I was living in Chicago, working working part time when I was at McDonald's. Working, and one of my friends who worked there was a was a wrestler. And you know, I'd been to a couple of the the little events in the small arenas and in towns that I didn't even know existed, like. Dalton, <laughs> oh, you know, Dalton. going down there, got a lot going of down there for a wrestling event, or, the, or 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 going to the International Amphitheater, which is way, way. <laughs> the name is way nicer than the place is actually in reality. <laughs> way. Crazy. I was gonna say that. I was gonna it say sounds way like ooh, out International of Amphitheater. This place sounds <laughs> nice. No. I mean, it was Probably basically converted. Yeah, it was converted into a, a wrestling arena, but you could tell that they had just had uh, probably like a rodeo in there because the place, right? You know, still had like straw and hay, <laughs> and it, yeah. So going to some of these venues, but I'll tell you what, for like these little independent guys that are doing this, I mean, it, and, and just knowing. You know, having my friend who did it and then, you know, the people who were in it and doing it and watching it, they really were just there to put on a good show for people. Mm-hmm. All it was about, you know, I mean, it, it, it wasn't really about anything more than just putting on a good show and, and, and getting that pop from the crowd. And so there's 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 some, you know, something admirable about that. There's just a bunch of people who just want to go out and put on put on put on a show 
And that's really all it was about. So especially for those little little or independent ones, you know. Um, yeah. And seeing it live, it, it actually was not fun. <laughs> you know, at its essence, that's really what the guys at uh, WrestleMania are trying to do is put on the best show that they can. And it really is. It's, oh, yeah. The, the only difference is they got the opportunity from Vince McMahon to do it at a, you know, at, for for half a million right. or a million dollars a year. Yeah. So they, they make a really lot of craft. money doing it. Yeah. They can really craft what they're doing because they don't have to worry about getting a, a part time job or supporting their family or anything. That's really the only difference. <laughs> Or in fact, in a lot of these little or independent areas where it's happening, these guys aren't doing this as a primary source of income. No, those are mechanics and uh, uh, yeah, handymen and, and everything else. Yeah. Uh, still or, following yeah, their dreams. Shift, shift, shift manager at McDonald's, you know. Uh huh. <laughs> so there was, like I said, there's something admirable about that. You know, not that not the wrestling has ever been my cup of tea, but you know, you go there and you watch it, and it was it was fun. It was forgettable oh. fun, but it was fun. <laughs> you've always uh, being uh, my best friend since first grade. You've always sort of known about wrestling, and you've always known that uh, right. You know, there there's guys that do it, and for a living and and put their their heart and soul into it and, and so you've always had that sort of outside appreciation of it you, you're not like my wife my wife just laughs at them all and it thinks they're all silly but but you you actually know that there's a little you know effort and, and work that goes into it so you, you at least you have a, a, a respect for it in that respect And I was reading oh, through cool. here on the Wikipedia page, and it was talking about all the storylines in the lead-up, and it made me sad to realize that my boy, William Regal, is still around, and that I haven't watched, because that's always been my guy. You remember that, right? Mm-hmm. When we were watching Raw back in the day, we because <laughs> from just a, just, a, just a theatricality standpoint, the guy always kind of just made me laugh. I always just like, it was just the attitude and the and the uh the way he talked you know the, the h's the triple h triple h triple h and you know after and watching that one match where he where he beat the midget in like three seconds i mean that, <laughs> nothing was better than that nothing was better than watching the match where he beat the midget in three seconds and they did this big run-up like it was like some kind of a tournament where they were supposed to fight and everybody was doing like this elimination thing. And it ended up being him against the little guy. And he literally just ran up to the little guy and put him like in a submission hold. <laughs> and that was the match. And that was hilarious. So I was reading through and I was like, Oh man, he's the, he's the, he was the NXT manager. I'm like, that probably would have made it a little bit more exciting for me. Uh, you're not missing much. He's very uh, low key these uh, days. He's just, He's just the commissioner bad, of NXT. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't really get funny. in the ring and do anything. No, but just, just the, the the general, the the, you know what I mean. Just a character that I appreciated mm-hmm. for my time when I was those you know, six months sleeping on your couch. 
That was probably that was that was, those were my those were the good moments for me watching Raw and getting getting a laugh out of William Regal. No, I, I, he's always been one of my favorites too, and he was he was a hell of a wrestler before he was a comedy figure. But uh, yeah, yeah, those days are long behind him. Well, as, as it is for most of these people, you know, that's one of the things that you look at when you when I'm looking at these people and you look look into them at all. By the time they get to like headlining at something like WrestleMania, they're old. Oh yeah, because uh, we were talking about Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles, and and how they yeah. weren't going to have a great match probably because of how old they are now. And they had a great match three, four years ago in Japan, but you know now they're pushing forty. So there's, yeah. there's only so AJ, much they AJ can do. Styles and, and in, is uh, forty right now. Yeah. Yeah. So indeed, their match was not as good as as the match that they had in Japan, and they. Made they had, they had to make it a little more exciting by having Shinsuke turn bad on him afterwards and kick him in the nuts, but uh, I, I you know that that was unnecessary as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, they you know there's only so much you can do if you only get your shot after you turn 35. Then there's only you know there's a limited shelf life to what you can do. Okay, well, so yeah, so as as someone who's who's been around wrestling but never really watches it if it's on i don't watch it i mean it's right. on all the time i don't watch it i watch it only for the purpose of this show but it seems like because of just all my exposure to it over the years i i, I at least know enough of i know more about it than somebody who's never watched it and i i, sure. I think i know more about it than some people who have watched it just that's <laughs> kind of sad but i owe a lot of that to you you know and the fact that you know so much and just by virtue of you know just by virtue of you know you being into it that once in a while it comes up as a topic of conversation and then hence will be like oh yeah i remember that guy or you'll joke with me about who's headlighting an event i'll be like oh it's it's that again <laughs> you know like how many times uh, are we going to have it be orton and cena <laughs> i'll try to put it in some like, perspective some some people would look at all the knowledge that we both have of football and say that's oh, yeah. really a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, or, or what I do with baseball, you know, and all the all, all the, the well, all that does hopefully pay some dividends every year. Yeah, there's some decent money for that, right? But even then, people would still be like. For for what a fantasy league? What really? You're an you're an adult and you do that? Oh my god! So you know yeah. some different strokes for different folks. All right. Well, I think that I think that's a wrap. I think I'm pretty beat. I'm gonna go to bed. I'm gonna work tomorrow. We somehow managed to fill almost two hours with three topics. Right. Exactly. There's stuff I have that I could get to, but we're not going to. Cause <laughs> well, that's why we'll just do another show. Another, another couple of weeks, we'll throw another show at it. Yeah, we may have another show before uh, before Draft Aftermath. We may not. We, we'll, we'll see. Oh, is that, that a, that'll is that be a tease? Uh, the, well, it's, it's depending on if we feel like it. It's not anything that I'm right. You know, forecasting. But that that really is only two weeks away. The draft is coming. It, it, it's coming sooner and sooner Wait, every year. They keep it's it's the only 20, two weeks. The twenty sixth. The Oh well, hell. Of, of <laughs> the twenty sixth of April is 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 the is the, is the is well, draft the 20, aftermath. Uh, the, 
okay, that's the day of the show, which is funny because that is a day that I have a, I'm not working that night. I'm at a conference or something in in Stevens Point, and I get out of it at 4 o'clock that day. So I'll actually be home. I can actually come home, watch some coverage of the draft, and actually be ready to sound like I know what I'm talking about by 9 or 10 o'clock that night. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, just double-check the dates for me. I'm pretty sure the Wednesday, which would be, let's see, today's the 10th, so this would be the 25th. I'm pretty sure the first night of the draft is on a Wednesday, the 25th. Um, and then we have to do the show the 26th the next night because I'm, I'm working a game Wednesday, the 25th. Uh, okay, here we go. That. It's the 2018 NFL draft. First round is April 26th. So they are going the Thursday, Friday, okay. Saturday. And okay, that, that I, makes I, sense I, to me because the, the, the Saturday makes sense because the Saturday is that sort of wall-to-wall fourth through seventh round coverage. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember it from like last year because I was sick as a dog. <laughs> and I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. I was my I, not only was I sick, but my ankle was blowed up too. So I was literally yeah. camped in front of the TV, uh, knocking out uh, vitamin D packets of of this nasty orange drink, um, oh. and 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 I had an air cast on my ankle, so I, I couldn't move anywhere. So I'm just watching the draft coverage, going, "Why are they going to NASA to do a draft pick?" Yeah. So they really had the gimmicks out for the uh, for, for that. Saturday oh yeah, they had like. Maybe I'll have Nicholas the child. <laughs> I don't know what, if he's from New if he's from New Orleans. If he's a New Orleans native, then they can have him oh, uh, announce no. the, the same third round. Pick, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah it's a Jerry World. Two weeks from so yeah, honestly, that will be our next show. Uh, right, and it'll be right after the end of the first round, so we can give our draft grades. <laughs> <laughs> Which people, people, who, if somebody's listening to this has never listened to our show before. We don't give out draft grades. That was a total joke. That was mocking draft grades. I think they got a B minus. Well, how many games have you seen their picks play? Yeah. Uh, none. Okay. First of all, nobody gets an A, and nobody usually gets worse than a C minus. So, what's the point right. of? giving a grade. I want to see somebody do a, give an, a, a draft grade that just says F. I hated all their picks. They were all terrible. <laughs> None of them all were going to amount rounds, to anything. Garbage. Garbage. I, garbage. None of them are going to do shit in the NFL. I give them an oh, F. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah, two weeks from Thursday, that'll be our next show. Oh, that's guaranteed. I, I don't see a show in between then. But then once we, once we get out of the draft, we get into May and June, we sort of into the wasteland, then we can start to schedule some, some real, some, some just random shows. That's right. All right. Uh, so yeah. Well, you know, we settled it. What about doing? <laughs> Let me give our, our plugs real quick. Cause I keep forgetting to do that. Uh, anyone who wants to contact us, we have an email address. You can send any email to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. I am on Twitter at IMLDDre. Jason is on Twitter at IMLDJTG. 
our blog site, which has our football picks up uh, back when we started doing football again, is in much less detail dot uh, blogspot.com. And to subscribe to the show as a podcast, that's the only way you can listen to this uh, after show, the live show and the after show as a podcast. There's many different podcasting apps to do that. You can go to iTunes. You can search for in much less detail the podcast. And when you see us, just click that subscribe button and every show that we do will download to you 100% after we are done with it. Um, and I think that'll be about it. Uh, and if you're listening to this through a podcast and you want to listen to us live, the live page is blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. Put that in your bookmarks. And when we have a live show, that's where you can go to listen live. You can call in, you can scream at us, tell us we suck, do whatever you want. Try not to give us any stories about getting blowjobs from guys. We had that recently. And oh, really no. Mike, Mike Mitchell. No. Damn it. Nope. Mike Mitchell. No stories about Mike Mitchell. No, never, ever again. Please. He's just. Uh, oh. Man. All right. Uh, hey. You don't, you don't have anything else? Uh, no, I'll play us out of here. I'll play us out of here and we can go. All right. If it works. It was the Cubs there home opener today. <laughs> so. Got to go back to 1984 WGN broadcast of the Cubs. This was the intro. Oh, the cow. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been Kings of Non Sequitur, the all season version of a much less detailed podcast. Thank you, crazy people, for listening. We'll talk to you for our draft aftermath in two weeks. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.